This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. We've opened our heart. Thank you for being here today. I want to turn your attention to Exodus chapter 12 and verse 3. I've been kind of uh, talking about the Exodus, and, 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 and the book of Exodus is all about this big exit, hence the name Exodus. Yep. And uh, so this is a big story, and, and uh, I, I want to just kind of uh, peel back a few layers and look at the, the, the Passover story. And the Passover story is an important story. In fact, it's kind of a fundamental story in the believer uh, of the Bible's faith. And so we're going to read this together. And I want you just to open your heart today and let God speak to you. Will everybody agree with that? Just say, I'm opening my heart today to God's word. Amen, amen, amen. Watch this. Exodus 12 and 3 says this. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account that the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be a year old males without defect. You may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides of the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roasted over fire with the head, the legs, and even the internal organs. That's crazy, I know. Do not leave any of it till the morning. If some of it is left over, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Passover, and on that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both of people, of animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord, I am Yahweh. The blood will be a sign for you on those houses where you are. Everybody say a sign. sign. We're going to talk today about evidence. Everybody say evidence. And today's message is about evidence, and this is kind of something I want to simply unpack with you. It's just kind of a, a big idea coming out of a, a small text here, but I believe that the scripture is going to speak to your heart, and at the end of this message, we're going to give you an opportunity to come forward. We want to pray with you and for you, and believing that God can do something amazing here in your life today before you leave this service. How many will believe with me that today, someone's life is going to be changed? Someone's heart is going to be healed. Someone's spirit that's been maybe wounded, God is going to, God is going to give you a new spirit. He's going, to, he's going to refresh your heart today. You don't have to leave here weighted down. You can leave here rejuvenated by the power and the virtue of the Holy Ghost. Come on, everybody. Let's believe that together. Amen? Heavenly Father, we open our hearts to you. We pray that your word, your word would fall into good ground and bring forth much fruit. We're going to give you all the praise and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. All righty. So I, I went on a quick little trip this week, and it was less than 48 hours. Uh, I went to the Midwest, uh, came back. I had to fly through Houston on United. And so I'm, I'm in Houston, and we're about to take off, coming back to San Francisco. And we're on the runway, and, I, and, and the pilot, you know, he, he gives it the gas, and here we are. We're going down, and, and we're, we're, about to, we're about to take off. And as the nose is lifting up, all of a sudden the engines stop. 
Oh, it was pretty crazy. And, and the brakes hit, and everyone's, we're just sliding, and everyone's screaming, and you can only imagine, like, everyone's going nuts, and, and uh, you know, I'm going, ah, no, not really. <laughs> but I'm in the very, very, I'm in the back row right next to the toilet. That was an exciting seat. I was like, thank you for this seat, United. And so <clears throat> the, the, the pilot's like, well, we're going to go uh, back to the gate, and we're going to have someone look at this. I'm like, look at this. We need a new plane. Like, we're going to have someone look at this. And so, like, 30 minutes, I guess, someone came and pushed some buttons and, you know, turned the dial and everything. And they said, okay, we're going to try again. So we're going to try again. So, okay, awesome. And uh, we go to the runway, and there we go. And here we're going, taking off. Okay, we're, we'll make it this time. And all of a sudden, as our nose is going up, <laughs> come back down. I'm like, what is happening? People are going hysterical, crazy. We had one lady jump up. She's like, get me off this plane. I was like, I'm with you, lady. You open that door, I'm jumping out too. Lady right next to me, she's going, ah. People were, had the crucifix. They were, they were rubbing it and praying. And lady next to me was, ah. I said, ma'am, it's okay. I'm a preacher. She went, ah. You know, I guess she thought that meant a priest. And she thought I was here to pray her final prayer before she went. I don't know, but... Uh, so then finally, we go back to the gate. We, we get off the plane for like an hour and a half. They're like, we have fixed the problem. We're taking off. So three times is just a charm. And so we go, we take off and have a wonderful turbulent ride all the way to San Francisco with everybody with their eyes wide open. We, the whole plane prayed through. We were, we were all ready for an exodus, all right, to get off that plane. This story is like... Everybody is so ready. 400 years of being a slave, uh, 70 men and children, Jacob's children, grandchildren, not including the wives, go into uh, Egypt where they eventually become slaves. When Pharaoh goes, they're, they're just growing. They're just like having babies and families just grow. We can't. What are we going to do? And so they make them slaves. And under the pressure, there's progress. God allows the pressure to bring progress and the pain to, to bring purpose and over the next 400 years, they become, they go from a tribe of just a band of brothers to a nation, over 3 million. And you can only imagine what this is like, like the feat that Moses has, that he's going to lead 3 million people out of Egypt and then go into the wilderness and hopefully get into the promised land. I mean, I, I can barely get my kids and the whole family into the car, right, to get to church on time. You know what I mean? Three million family members, right? And so this is the exodus. This is like a big deal because what's about to happen, they've never seen before. In fact, no one's ever seen before. In fact, most miracles that happen, no one's ever seen them before until they're seen. And once they're seen, they're like the precedent. But what we notice about God is God usually does stuff that's never been done before. or He does it differently than he did it before. And so this is like a new thing. And so God's like, God's like telling Moses, like, hey, I'm bringing them up. I'm bringing them out. We're, you're going to be a nation. You're going to be a people. You're going to lead them. I'm going to put my laws in their hands. I'm going to make them a nation. I'm going to give them a Magna Carta. I'm going to give them a constitution. I'm going to give them laws to live by, et cetera, et cetera. And so all this is planned out, but none of this can happen 
unless there's a movement, unless there's an exodus. We are slaves. We've been here a long, long time. And how is God going to get it? We can't fight. We're weak. We're broken. We don't have the tools. We don't have the, the weaponry. We don't have machine guns. We don't have, we don't have sword. We don't have any of that. What, well, how are we going to do this? And God says, don't you worry about it. I'll take care of it. So he begins to send plagues. He begins to turn the water into blood. He begins to send frogs. Anybody love frogs? Right? I'd have been like, if I was fair, I was like, okay, go. I'm going with you. I'm getting out of here. Frogs, locusts, lice, animals are dying. The sun is, is, is dark. I mean, it was like crazy stuff. And what happened was, as Moses comes up to Pharaoh, he's like, after a couple of plagues, he's like, hey, uh, you ready to let us go? And so Pharaoh's now trying to make a deal with Moses. And this is like a type of how the enemy works. He wants us to, 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 to land short of really what God has for us. And so he starts, he goes, hey, look, I'll make a deal. You, you're wanting to go out and worship your God. Why don't you just stay here and worship here? Like, just, why do you got to leave? Why can't, you just, why can't you just be in the world and just be a believer? Why can't you just be an Egyptian but also be a Hebrew? Why, why, why do you got to leave? And that didn't go. That didn't fly. God and Moses were like, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Okay? And so, like a plague or two later, then it was like, okay. So Pharaoh's like, look, I'm... This is getting annoying. I've got like boils and stuff. Um, let's make another deal. How about instead of you guys leaving forever, how about you guys just go on a three-day journey? Go out, do your thing, go, go, do, go do like the worship deal that you're going to do, and then come back. And that seems like a good deal, like right? You know, like we can, we, can, we can go to church on Sunday, but then we go back into the world, and we can act like the world on Monday, Tuesday, party it up on Friday, Saturday, because we got Sunday to come back and worship and say, God, forgive me. And so let's just make a deal. Right? And this is what Pharaoh wants to do is make a deal. And then so finally Moses, Moses and God are like, uh-uh. So then Pharaoh's like, let's make another deal. So there's another deal, part three. And he says, Okay, how about this? I'll let, I'll let all the older people go. Kids stay here. All the, everyone, everyone that's above this age can go, but the kids stay. You can go, but you're not going to have a future. You, you can go, but, but, but your, your, your passion and your heart's going to remain here. You ever met Christians like this? They're like, they're like, they're like oh, yeah, it was, it was, I'm a Christian, but, oh, man, when I was in the world, it was great. You know, they're, they're like still there. So they don't ever have like a purpose and, and, and mission. And, and so and there's like these, these little tricks that the enemy does. Because the enemy, the one thing that the enemy doesn't want is for you to go all in and have the fullness of what God has for you. And then finally, you know, Pharaoh's like, okay, this is enough's enough. One last deal. And he says, you can go, your kids can go, but you're not taking anything with you. And God and Moses are like, uh-uh. When we leave here, we're leaving here with resources. We're leaving here with gifts. We're leaving here with a bunch of great stuff. We're not leaving here empty-handed. We're taking some stuff with us. And so what I've noticed about the enemy is this. He always wants you to make little compromises. You know, it's never one big fall. It's, always, it's not one big bad decision. It's always a little compromises that lead up to that big fall. Have you ever noticed that? It's the little compromises that take place in people's lives. 
those little things that no one sees, they almost seem insignificant. But before you know it, you, you've made enough of them that, that, that the little drops become like a puddle. And that puddle begins to fill the bucket. And all of a sudden, there's a tipping point where all these little compromises that you make begin to really affect you. In fact, David, you know, little King David, he, he's young and he's out there watching his father's sheep. And, and, and one day he's going to stand and he's going to face Goliath. He's going to stand and he's going to stand against the enemy of God's army and God, the enemy of God's people. And he's going to stand. But why, why was he able to stand in that moment? Because he stood when no one was watching. He stood when no one could see. He stood when a bear and a lion wanted to take one of his father's sheep. Now, it would have been very easy for David to say, what's the big deal? It's just a sheep. It's just one little sheep. It's one little lamb. Just let, it, let, let the bear take it. Why, why engage with a bear if you're, it's just a little lamb. It's just a little sheep. But here's what David understood. David understood that if you give one today, he'll be back tomorrow for another. He'll come back the next day for another. These aren't my sheep. These are my father's sheep. And I'm not giving any of these up. This may not be super important to me, but this is super important to my father. I'm not giving it up. Don't compromise with the world or with the enemy. We got to go all in and say, if it's sacred to God, it's sacred to me. Amen. If God loves it, it's worth fighting for. Come on, somebody. You got to get that in your heart today. So we look at this story and, and again, there's, a, there's many layers to like the Passover, and, and, and we're not going to go into like the, the, the entire thing, because I know there's a lot. But here, there's a, there's a, there's a story kind of beyond the story. I'm reading this story. I'm looking at it. I've kind of been stuck in Exodus. Stuck's a bad word. But I've been just like lingering there in Exodus, loving it, like going, there, there's so much in here. God, you're doing something new. And this 21 days of prayer and fasting in August so like, just kind of did something in my spirit and, and, and kind, of, kind of reminded me of, of the mission of the church and the purpose of the ministry and the purpose that God's put in me. And this scripture just kind of leapt off the pages because when I'm reading it, I realize there's something beyond just like the lamb and, and the lamb is important and, and we can't do anything with the, without the lamb and if, if, if Christ is not slain, then none of this matters and none of this can happen if we don't have it. But there was something beyond that. There was something beyond that experience of just the blood being dripped and the, the, the lamb being slain. There was an application to what happened. They took the blood and he said, for a sign, I need you to put the blood on the doorpost and mantle. And I need you to get your clothes on. I need you to get your shirt on. I need you to get your belt on. I need you to get your staff and your shoes and get ready because there's something about to change. You need to be ready and you need to provide some evidence that you believe this thing's about to go down. This thing's about to happen. You know, you know that, that weird feeling when you have to leave early in the morning so you go to bed dressed? Is that the worst ever? Or like your kids, you're like, okay, we're going to Southern California. We're leaving at four in the morning to beat the Bay Area traffic, come on, it's going to be fun. And you, they go to bed, of course, like at, at, at like midnight. And then they're PJs. And then you get them out of bed and they're just, they just, you know, they're you're just walking them down, this, trying to get them to the car. And, and uh, people are drooling and it's all bad. And you carry your wife down. I'm just kidding. I was just a joke. She's usually carrying me down. But anyways, you know, you're, so they're fully dressed. It's like, okay, here we go. We, we, we should be like getting ready for bed. 
But God's got us like putting shoes on. He's got us putting our shirt on. He's got us putting the staff in our hand. Why? And I looked at this scripture in Matthew 17, 20-21, the NIV. We're going to put it up here. And it's an interesting scripture. It's one that I've wrestled with. Maybe you've wrestled with. I want you to, if this makes sense to you, I want you to like raise your hand. If it doesn't, you're going to leave your hand down just like I'm going to leave my hand down because this doesn't make any sense to me. Watch this. He replied, because you have so little faith. So what's this mean? They're saying, we can't cast out the devils. We can't do the miracles that you're doing. He says, because you have little faith, you can't do it. Because you have little faith. And then watch what Jesus says. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. You're like, wait, I thought the problem was I had such little faith, and now you're telling me if I have little faith the size of a mustard seed, I can move a mountain. Does that make sense to anybody? Are you guys with me here? Like, like does that make sense? What's our problem? Little faith. What's the solution? Little faith. Ah, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus, you know? Come on. And, 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 and the translation here is a little weak. It's a little faulty. There's a better translation of this verse that amplifies the meaning of the original text. Watch this. We're going to go. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain. See, there's a difference between belief and faith. Did you know that? Belief is what happens right here. Belief is like me going, yeah, I agree with that. I can buy into that. Yeah, sure, that, yeah, I believe that. Belief is saying, yeah, I believe the chair was built so someone could sit on it. But faith is saying, oh, sit on it. There's a difference. Faith is what is required in the kingdom of God. Nothing moves in the kingdom without faith. What is faith? Faith is not belief. Faith is action based on belief. It's the action that you perform based on belief. It's the action that says, we're putting our shoes on. We're putting our shirt on. We're getting our, head, our Beats headphones on because we're going to go on a journey. And here's my staff. I'm filling up the car. We're getting ready to go out of here. Because faith is the evidence of what isn't seen yet. Hebrews 11 and 1. Watch this verse. Maybe you've, had a, maybe you've toiled with this. I've toiled with it. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now, faith is the substance. It's the action. It's something tangible of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. What is the putting sh the shirt on and the shoes on and, and having their staff ready to go? That's their faith. God requires faith before he moves. In God's economy, nothing can happen. There's no exchange of goods in God's economy without faith. Not belief. Oh, I believe God can do it. Yeah, I believe too. He can do it in Venezuela. He can do it here. He can do it in Vanuatu. He can do it in Africa. He does it in Brazil. He does it over here. We, we believe the stories. But that's not the question. Do you have faith that God can do it right here, right now? What action are you taking saying, this is my evidence, I believe? Let me give you a couple examples. We pray. We say, hey, we're going to believe together that God's going to do a miracle in your body. That's belief. But when you go home and you call the doctor and you say, I want another MRI. He says, that's crazy. We've already done two. He said, no, I want another MRI. That's faith. 
And that's what pleases God. And that's what activates the promise. See, belief is powerful, but faith is what moves heaven. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You know why we're adding another service? It's a token of faith. We're saying, God, we believe there's more. We believe there's more people who don't know you. We believe there's more people. This, to- this is our way. You know, during this 21 days of fasting and prayer, it was like, will you test me? Will you have a God-sized dream and trust me? Will you believe that my hand's on this? This isn't in your hands. This is in my hands. If you, will, if you will open it up, I will fill it. I will bring those who are far from God. I will bring those who are hurting. It is the token of faith. What's the token of faith? My kids are coming home. I'm, I, I, I'm believing they're going to they're gonna come back, wash the sheets, get the room ready. Start creating evidence in what you believe. Amen? Because belief is great, but faith changes everything. Their issue wasn't they didn't have, their issue wasn't that they had small faith. Their issue is they didn't believe. He says, even if you have small faith, even just a little bit of evidence, just give me something. Just, you know, can you imagine these like four friends that climb up a house? I mean, think of the logic. Hey, we can't get in. Church is full. You know, Jesus in the house is packed out. So they say, oh, we got a friend and a stretcher. Let's climb the roof. That makes perfect sense, right? We'd have ushers like tackling those guys, okay? We're going to climb the roof. Let's tear the roof up. And Jesus looks, he goes, I'm going to heal and forgive this guy because of your faith. This is the evidence that you, you believe. You see, this is what James said. He said, faith without works is dead. So faith without works is belief, it's a body, but it doesn't have life in it. A lot of us have belief, but there's no life in our belief because we haven't turned our belief into faith. What evidence do you need to create? What decision do you need to make to show heaven, I'm putting everything into this. I'm trusting you in this area. I'm putting the staff in my hand. We've never seen it. We've never left. We were born here. This is the way we've always been. This is where we grew up. This is what we know. We know slavery. And you're saying, we're coming out tomorrow? Yep. I need you to give me some evidence that you believe this. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance. Faith is the evidence. What action are you taking right now to say, I believe? Watch this. In the book of, in the book of Romans 10 and 9, it says this. This is the difference between belief and faith. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. But it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So, man, it's, and I'm going to say this and you're going to go, I don't believe you're saved by belief. I believe you're saved by faith. No tomatoes, please. <laughs> okay. I believe we're how we respond. Do you know that every time that you hear the word of God, you have to respond? You're responding right now, somehow, some way to this message. For every action, there is an opposite or equal reaction. What does your faith say? What does your faith say today? Do you believe God can do great things? Do you believe that God honors bold prayers and bold faith? Do you believe that if you, if you will embrace it and act upon it and create the evidence that God will move on your behalf? 
What evidence are you bringing him? God, we're ready to go. God, I'm ready for a miracle. God, I'm ready to make that phone call. God, I'm ready to go home a different way. God, I'm ready to see your wonders in my life. You know, imagine Noah. Can you imagine like, hey, Noah, there's going to be a flood. Um, flood the whole world. Um, here's the dimensions. Here's the blueprints for a boat. And Noah goes, awesome, I believe. I believe that you're going to flood the world. And I believe that you spoke to me. And I believe you want me to build a boat. That wasn't enough. The Bible says, by faith, Noah built a boat. It was the action behind his belief. He says, by faith. All of Hebrews is by faith, through faith. And when you read it, every one of them, Abraham, it's he obeyed. You look at, you, you look at Abel, he gave a sacrifice. Faith is the action. It's the evidence it's what brings life to your belief when you step out and you say, based on my belief, here is my faith, my evidence that I believe God's word. And when you walk in faith and not by sight, it will change your life. Too many people are walking by fact and not by faith. You know why we don't see God? I hear people all the time, I, 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 I want God to do something. He already did. It's your turn. Bring the evidence that you believe he's bad and big to the, like big and bad to the bone, like he can do anything. Like he's like that big brother with those big muscles, like I was for charity when she got in trouble, come swooping in, saving the day. Not really, not really. I got beat up a couple times, but like God is amazing. Like how big is your, it, we, I want to I wanna open my heart and embrace the God-sized dreams. And God goes, that's great, wonderful. What's the evidence? How's that changing you? What are you doing different? Show me the evidence because it's the evidence that moves heaven. Colossians 2 and 12, watch this. Buried with him in baptism wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. You know that baptism is the, op it's, it's an operation, the faith operation. That you say, I believe in the gospel. I believe Jesus was, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And so my faith is going to respond. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die with him. And I'm going to be buried with him. And I'm going to be raised with him. And I'm going to confess my faith through this operation of baptism. Why? Because God doesn't want it just to be in here. He wants you to go public with your faith. He wants you to declare your faith. He wants you to stand up and say, here's the evidence of what's happening on the inside. Faith changes the world. Faith can change your world. Hebrews 11 and 28. This is the hall of faith in the book of Hebrews. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover, to sprinkle the blood of the doorpost, that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. 